We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode 22 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Scotty Sports. I am a writer for Cheesehead TV, and I organize this crazy thing called the Pack-A-Day podcast. Today joining me is Dusty Evely, writer and podcaster for Pack to the Future. You can find him on Twitter at All22Talk. Dusty, say hi to everyone. Hey, hey. Hey, and then joining us today, we have an incredibly special guest, our first ever guest, on the Pack-A-Day podcast, and that is Ben Fennell from the NFL Network. Ben is a producer for the NFL Network. He does a lot of NFL draft work. He's the associate producer for the Eagles media department, also does some producing work for ESPN College Football, and like Dusty and myself, although uh, no offense to Dusty, a, a all-22 film junkie at a very, very high level. Ben, thank you so much for joining us, and, and welcome officially to the Pack-A-Day podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. A little daunting being the first guest, but I think I'm ready. I'm sure you are. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. We're incredibly excited. Ben, Dusty, and I have had a little bit of communication over Twitter throughout the last couple of years, just watching tape, grinding tape. We've had a lot of similar takes on a lot of different players, and uh, we've we've touched base a couple times on maybe working collaboratively on something, and then all of a sudden today, this this kind of came together very quickly. So I know I'm incredibly excited, and we're just going to jump right in. We've only got about 20 to 25 minutes to get to everything we want to get to. So Ben, I just want to start off with you today. Tell us a little bit about your story, how you got involved with the NFL Network and ESPN, and how did you get into this whole crazy business? 
Yeah, absolutely. Just in a uh, kind of succinct manner. I went to school at Drexel in Philadelphia, did a couple internships in uh, various sports capacities with the Sixers and Knicks, really nestled in at NFL Films, had some great people around me to take me under their wing as far as learning TV, editing, as well as football and some integral X's and O's. Worked on the show Playbook on NFL Network for six years, then kind of transitioned away from that, took a job in the Eagles media department, working on our Eagles game plan show. Also working closely with Fran Duffy on his Eagle Eye in the Sky article. Just being in the industry, met some people, got involved in TV, ESPN, became very good friends with Mike Mayock. So I go over to NFL Films in the offseason now and help him with all of our offseason coverage, the Senior Bowl, the Combine, the Draft. So it's a lot of football, but life could be worse. No, that sounds amazing. Well, thanks so much again for joining us. And speaking of Mike Mayock, correct me if I'm wrong, but day three of the draft, there was a safety that you had introduced him to and he shouted you out on air, correct? Yeah, actually, I believe that was day two, not to uh, correct you though. That was Tavares (laughs) Moore from Southern Miss. Yeah, the Niners took him in the third round. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. My apologies. It was absolutely day two. So that was pretty cool. You got the shout out on air. I remember that uh, very distinctly, except for the day, I guess. But yeah, thanks so much again for joining us. Tell us a little bit about your Packers affiliation as well. I know you uh, focus on a lot of NFL film, but it seems like you focus on the Packers even just a tad bit more. Yeah, I get this question a lot, you know, being out here in South New Jersey, growing up in North Pennsylvania. My mom actually grew up in Green Bay in the 60s. She moved around a lot as a kid, but spent a lot of her childhood in the 60s in Green Bay. Obviously, you spend your time growing up in the 60s in Green Bay. That stays with you. So even though she moved around, she was a lifelong Packers fan, and that got inherited to me. And that's really my only strong allegiance in any sports was the Packers growing up. So it's a little interesting that I work for another team, but I still have a strong allegiance and pride towards the Packers. So, you know, I kind of have a foot in both markets here. Perfect. That's great. What was your uh, first Packer game that you were ever at? My first Packer game I ever attended was – in the Meadowlands on Strahan's sack record when Farr kind of slid down at the end of the game there. That's a fantastic game to be at. Uh, are you convinced as much as everyone else that Favre gave it to him? Yeah, I, I don't think he – it was, you know, obviously an earned sack. I think he was just free off the edge, off a bootleg, and he kind of met him unblocked there, and they kind of had a laugh about it. And at that point in the season, I think he earned it at that point. Yeah, it was certainly an earned record no matter what. The the play was a little bit questionable, but that's a perfect first game to be at. So I want to jump right into the preseason game from last week. I know all three of us have grinded the tape. Dusty, we haven't really got to you too much yet. What were your initial reactions from last week's game? Who stood out and what kind of stood out to you in general? Man, like the first thing, like when I, when I watched it initially, I've gone through it a couple of times. I know Hunley looked good. I mean, I know everyone's raving about Boyle, especially that Boyle Kumaro. I know Andy, you just are screaming, screaming, screaming about Boyle the Kumaro. Man, I really liked what Kaiser, I really liked how Kaiser looked just out of the jump. I mean, it, it, more than more than kind of his arm, uh, it was just his awareness, uh, his quickness in the pocket, his decisiveness. He wasn't the most accurate, but just seeing that decisiveness out of him, I really, really liked. So when he came in, I, I sat up a little bit straighter. Kind of going back a second time through, some of the guys that really stood out, I mean, it's guys that I kind of noticed the first time around as well, but I wasn't paying quite as close attention the first time. Man, we've, I feel like we've been talking about him for a while. Like Reggie Gilbert just looked dynamite. Like, just, I really, really liked him. That's, I mean, we talked about him, and the last year he looked good, and this is going to be a shot this year. That's, that's maybe uh, one of the reasons they didn't go uh, edge rusher in the draft. And I, I, I thought he looked dynamite. I, I think he's set for a very, very good year. I thought he played, you know, a couple times maybe not so great, but I think he rushed the passer well. He played the run well. I, I think Warren Burks looked really good. Montrevious Adams looked amazing. 
I mean, the, the just you know, I just kind of off the top of my head, those are the guys that really kind of stood out to me. I really liked Jamon Moore up until the ball hit his hands. <laughs> like he looked good up until that moment. But yeah, those are especially I'd say defensive side. Adams, Adams, Gilbert, Burks were the three guys that really kind of jumped out the second time I watched it. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about Reggie Gilbert as well. The one play that I, I did note though was the the play in which Mariota escaped from the pocket, and you could just tell Gilbert didn't have that that closing speed. Now, not a lot of players aren't going to have the closing speed to get to Mariota, yeah. but th- it was just a, almost frustrating in a way that he doesn't have that unique trait because he's so good at everything else that if he just had that last step explosion, he'd be so insanely good. And th- and then you see other players that have that, and they don't put it all together the way that Gilbert has, but uh, he, he was very impressive. And I, I know Oren Burks, Ben, you had, you'd done a little bit of study on Oren Burks from last game as well. What did you kind of see from him? You know, kind of what we expected from, you know, converted free safety to linebacker, you know, that sub linebacker we're getting today's NFL where he's going to glide naturally silent to sideline, be able to handle himself in space really well, take his zone drops, run with different players in coverage. Will he be able to handle his business in the box, getting off blocks? That was our concern going in. I thought he struggled a little bit getting off mm-hmm. blocks. Is there a couple of plays that maybe it's a hold by the offensive lineman? Sure, but we're linebackers in the NFL. We don't complain about holds. you got to get off that block, and I know that's being stressed from the linebackers coach all summer with Oren Burks. And, I, you know, as the game slows down for him and he starts to see these things and becomes a little bit more instinctive, that'll put himself in positions a little bit better to beat those blocks. And he won't be, you know, a tick late having to fight him head on. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. I think this was something that any of us who uh, watched tape of him in college, these were, you know, kind of some of the same strengths and same concerns that we had going in. I thought this was a really positive step for him in the right direction. It didn't look too big for him, you know, starting your first game at Lambeau field, you know, playing inside linebacker. It looked like I was actually at the game, and it looked like later in the game, he might have been actually making some of the play calls on the field as well. So I, I just thought it was a, a real positive step. Does he have to get stronger at the point of attack for sure? But I'm hoping, you know, as the season goes on and guys like, you know, Muhammad Wilkerson, Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels might be able to free him up just a little bit more. And his natural athleticism is really going to shine. Uh, who else kind of stood out to you, Ben? Yeah, if I could just comment really quickly on Reggie Gilbert, I think the fan base is a little too excited about him. I thought he put some great stuff on tape. He was a great camp player for him last year and the time he got towards the end of the season. But there's a reason why he was an undrafted player. He has some physical limitations. And like you were mentioning, that player Mariota got outside the pocket. It was a two-fold eye-opener. Number one, Mariota is a quick quarterback. Number two, mm-hmm. Reggie Gilbert just doesn't have that explosive trait. There was another play at a great inside rush on the right tackle. Yep. Pushed the quarterback out of the pocket, but you get to see he didn't have that change of direction. So he's great at the point of attack. He's a strong player. He can set the edge. He can handle his business. But I think he's not going to have that exceptional trait for a pass rusher that really gets the average NFL fan salivating that he could go get the quarterback on any given down. So there's a little bit of a buyer beware with Reggie Gilbert and to kind of temper our expectations. Is it an upgrade over what we've seen in that position and the fact roles and some of those players in there? Absolutely. But I think we just need to make sure we're tempering what to expect from Gilbert here on out. That's, well, that, that's what I was going to say, Ben, is I'm, I'm grading him on a sliding scale. I watch Fackrell, then I watch him, and he looks like the best player in the world. So it's, he really jumps out, you know? Right. And, and just to go on some other players really quick, I love your point, Dusty, about Kaiser. And I really put a couple asterisks around backup quarterbacks in preseason games because they're dumpster fires. You have some <laughs> offensive linemen you might not have played with or that maybe they hadn't played that position 
some running backs. You might not have worked with receivers. I'm looking for poise and management. And I thought that's what Deshaun Kaiser did a great job of. There was protection issues. There were some receiver issues. He had to get out of the pocket. He didn't make every throw he needed to, but the moment didn't look too big for him. I thought he managed the game really well. No, those are all great points. Certainly, uh, this is going to be something that's worth keeping an eye on. Uh, One other uh, player that stood out to me, Kendall Donerson, obviously he forced the fumble, but I thought he looked aggressive as well. Ben, I know you also had had kind of been watching some tape on Kendall Donerson. We're posting some uh, clips of him again today. What really, you know, shows up on tape for you when you watch Donerson? Yeah, Donerson's a really interesting athlete, kind of an obscure place. I think it was Southeast Missouri State, if I'm not mistaken, on where he was from. But he did some really freaky things earlier in his college career, like running off, running down on kickoff. He was a punt gunner, very athletic. But he's a really thick defensive end. He's almost built like an Everson Griffin. He's not going to bend the edge on you, but he's, he's stout. He's got a big lower half. He's got a big butt on him. He's powerful, full Russia. And I just love the effort that he plays with and getting, you know, his nose into the run game and hammering that fist down and forcing the fumble. It's a nice little flash of what he can do. I just love the effort. So kind of transitioning to tomorrow's game, we've, we've seen one preseason game now. We've, we've kind of discussed some of our standouts. We might see Aaron Rodgers play. It sounds like that's kind of the hope, but McCarthy did kind of hedge his bets a little bit, saying that it could depend on David Bakhtiari and a few different factors. Obviously, the number one goal tomorrow is to avoid injuries, but who else really needs to step up in this game and who are we watching for? I'll go over a couple that I'm, I'm kind of focused on really quick and then I'll let you guys chime in. Uh, the first one is Ahmad Thomas. I thought he put some good tape on film the first game. I really would love to see him take that next step and even really solidify his spot as a backup inside linebacker a little bit more. Love to watch the Lindsey Pipkins-Herb Waters battle. I didn't get a great sense of either of them in this last game. Pipkins didn't get until really late, which I found somewhat interesting. I posted yesterday my initial 53, or actually my second 53, and I left Pipkins off, and people were not a fan of me for that. But I was a big Pipkins guy last year, and I just thought uh, it was really interesting that he was so low on the depth chart in game one and then allowed a couple completions as well. Uh, Josh Jones, I feel like it's been way too quiet from Josh Jones, especially from a guy who last year at this point was absolutely tearing it up. He was getting kind of Mike McCarthy's uh, kiss of death a little bit with, you know, kind of, I don't think he called him the MVP of camp, but he was salivating over Josh Jones. He's been really quiet. Would love to see him start making some plays. Montrevious Adams, just to kind of, you know, to use a McCarthyism to continue to stack some success. Would really like to see uh, Jamon Moore back back up what he can do and kind of bounce back from last week. Dusty, you mentioned those drops earlier. And then I would love to see a young tight end step up. I'm not super sold on Lance Kendricks at that number three. I haven't been all off season. And I would just love one of these young tight ends to step up and grab the bull by the horns. But Ben, I'll get your thoughts first. Who are some players you're looking for tomorrow night? Listen, it's put up or shut up time for Jason Spriggs. I'm I'm kind of in the, the contingency that I think he needs to play the entire game in either this next preseason game or preseason three. We need to figure out if we can rely on Jason Spriggs to be with us for 2018. If a tackle goes down, that's not a reason to throw in the towel. It's next man up, and we got to be able to rely on our backups to come in and hold down the fort. And I don't know if we can trust Jason Spriggs to be a backup anything for us right now. I don't care where he was drafted or who we traded up for. Kyle Murphy is the better player right now. And he's really our only tackle option at the moment. I know the Byron Bell experiment's not going that great. I wouldn't be surprised to see them get an extra body or two in here before the season starts to put a little more pressure on that depth on the offensive line. But some other players I'd really like to see, 
Josh Jackson, once again, there's going to be growing pains from cornerbacks in the NFL. Let's get them out now. I want to see the growing pains get out in the preseason and a camp because that's that's life from an NFL cornerback. It's one of the toughest positions to convert into the NFL. What Marshawn Lattimore did for the Saints last year was freaky. That doesn't happen from rookies. And so I think that's also a buyer beware with what we expect from Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson. It's exciting to get these players in, but there's going to be some growing pains from these young defensive backs. So I want to get them in. I want to get them experienced and move them around like they did uh, last week. I'd like to see more Josh Jackson in the slot to see if, you know, that's a position he could hold down the fourth during the season. No, I think you bring up a really great point there too. It's it's important to get a lot of these players playing time, but there's a handful of players that need a significant amount of playing time so that Green Bay can judge one, if they are ready for the roster and, and two, if they're going to be ready to contribute on day one. And I think two names you brought up there with Josh Jackson and Jason Spriggs were really apropos because th- those both need to probably go through some you know more growing pains and, and show on tape what they're really capable of. So uh, I, I thought that was very appropriate. Dusty, uh, who are you kind of looking at tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, you touched on most of them. I mean, you guys talked about you talked about tight ends, and Andy, we talked about tight ends for our, our first ever, I guess, test podcast. I know you're big on Tanya. You know, I guess I don't know if you still still are. I know you like his promise. I, I still kind of like Bird. I would like to see one of those guys step up and just kind of take that job from Kendricks. I'm fine with Kendricks, but but kind of a young, athletic tight end that kind of stretched the field a little more. I would love seeing that. One of my big ones is more. Again, he looked great up until the ball came in. I was reading stuff about him. I think they said his junior and senior year, he almost always dropped the first catchable ball of the game. They call them focus drops. It was something he was really trying to get better at. And I <laughs> does, does not look like he did. If he can turn it around, if he, it just, it's such an exciting young group of receivers. And to me, Moore is the guy that I think could do the most just based on what I've seen out of him, as long as he can catch the ball. So I'm hoping, I just want him to shake off that bad start, maybe put together a big game. The other one, and this is probably uh, kind of my last one here, I, this might be hoping too much. Quentin Rollins looked, looked awful and his, his time might be up. And I don't know how much it's that injury and how much it's just Quentin Rollins, you know, but, but the experiment of trying to put him down in the box, it backfired immediately. I'm looking to see if he can turn it around a little bit. If he can, if he can be effective in that role, I'm really going to be watching him early. I don't know how many snaps he's going to get. He could be good. Kind of that. I say that vet, what is he? Third year guy. I don't know. I, If he can turn it around, uh, that'd be very, very nice. So I'm really looking forward to that. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm going to have my fingers crossed watching that first quarter. And just going into your point, Andy, I saw your uh, your projections for the roster. My sixth corner is Lindsey Pipkins, and I attributed his lack of playing time is I I'm comfortable with Lindsey Pipkins. I think we know what we're getting with Lindsey Pipkins. And he's a guy that's really tough. He could play nickel or corner for you. He blitzes really well. He could play press man. He's got good zone instincts. I trust Lindsey Pipkins. It's kind mm-hmm. of put-up, shut-up time for Quentin Rollins. Yes. And I, think I see those two as a little bit interchangeable. And right now I think Pipkins has the leg up. And I don't really need to see much more from him. Rollins needs to figure this out and whether he can beat this guy out in a roster spot. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point on Pipkins, and I didn't really think of it in that regards that they they may have played him later because they have that confidence in him. My my decision making on that was a couple different reasons. I'm I'm ready to to kind of throw in the towel on Quentin Rollins as well. However, I also know the value of versatility on a 46 man roster. And if Rollins can show something where he can be in a pinch, a backup at outside corner, inside corner, safety, diamond, nickel linebacker, you know, special teams player, and he's even been returning punts. Now, I'm not saying he's good at any of those things, because right now I don't think he is. But if he has just enough versatility that he can do a little bit of all of that, 
there is some value there for for keeping him active on a 46 man roster. Uh, he knows he's on the hot seat. He better be offering to do every role. He should be, you know, <laughs> building and scooping salad in the cafeteria, or whatever he could do to help. I, I, just he set up at right tackle, brother. Just just do what you can do. Yeah, he, you know that might be his best spot on the roster. That's where they're weak. <laughs> if he's playing right tackle this week, we know something's up. But the other thing is, I thought there was a chance that potentially the the depth at corner could hurt some of those guys where maybe they feel that they could cut Pipkins and Waters and at least get one of them back on the practice squad, if not both. But but I agree with you. I, I really like Pipkins last year, and I, I think you're probably right in the fact that I may have messed that one up with putting Rollins over Pipkins, and certainly there were a lot of people in, in Packer Nation that were willing to tell me that as well. Yeah, I also think Pipkins put so much good on tape at the end of last season. I'm not sure he's going to make it to the practice squad. You're, you very well yeah. may be right there too. Tight ends, uh, really quick to answer your quite, kind of question, Dusty. I, you know, I have been a little bit higher on Tanyan, but the truth is at this point, none of the, the tight ends after the first two, Lewis and Graham, have really shown me anything at this point. I think Tanyan may have the, the greatest upside, and, and I've been ready to throw in the towel on Kendricks, but he might make it just by default because no one's kind of stepped up and grabbed those reins so far. So that's where I'm kind of at with it. Uh-huh. Ben, any other thoughts on, on anyone to, to kind of watch tomorrow? Uh, yeah, there's just a couple guys here and there. Like you're saying, you know, those back end roster tight ends, I just want to see somebody embrace a role, whether it's, you know, sticking your face in the run game or can you be a gadgety athletic tight end? We can move around. A guy I was really impressed with last week. I want to see what else he can do to maybe be a reserve role player. You can plug in at guard center guard was Dylan Day. Played Played some right guard. I thought he looked really well, Thought he looked comfortable out there. And the fact that he's versatile that could plug in a spot, you know, across that interior up line there. I want to see what else he can do up front and if he could be our backup, you know, interior, whether they still want to go with a Lucas Patrick and those Swiss Army knife offensive linemen. No, that's, that's a great point as well. Kind of the next thing then I want to transition to, Ben, you know, people are going to have to put up with Dusty and I all year, but you, we're going to get to listen to you today. So I just kind of want to go over a, a few different things really quick and kind of have you chime in on them. What were some names on film? I know you've been grinding a lot of film throughout the preseason so far. Give us some names or, or maybe some concepts, some teams that have really stood out to you so far. I know it's only one week. Well, I don't mean to play this card, but I am absolutely blown away with what the Philadelphia Eagles have done in the last two years. I worked for them for the two years previous with Chip Kelly and to see them get out of some of these roster moves, to see what that receiver room looked like in the cornerback room and how they ran the offense and to see what it is now. I just have a huge appreciation for that whole organization, the coaching staff, Howie Roseman, the constant commitment to making that roster better all throughout the season doesn't matter if it's mid-season, right before the season, training camp. They're always looking to improve that roster. So I just really like the Philadelphia Eagles front office, the coaching staff, and then not to mention the system that they run out there and just how diverse it is, how multiple it is, how they can interchange so many different parts in their skilled players. You never know who the Philadelphia Eagles are going to attack you with on a week-to-week basis. I just love the way they run their offense, and that's kind of the model and the mold that I would love to see the Packers emulate. Yeah, I I love the, you know, the grouping of the how the the coaching staff and management seems to work together so well in Philadelphia to find the players that are going to fit well within that offense. Like you mentioned as well, their their ability to acquire players at any time. I love the JHI trade mid-season last year. I thought that really set them up for success later in the season and obviously in the Super Bowl. And then, you know, you look at the depth chart 
and look at the edge rusher position, you know, they were already stacked and then they, they don't mind going out and getting a, a Michael Bennett and a Josh sweat in the draft. And, you know, they don't care who's in that locker room already. They're going to keep going out and attacking no matter what they have in the locker room. And they're going to keep trying to get better. Uh, what they did last year, it to lose a Jason Peters, a Sproles, a Wentz, a Hicks, a Marigos. Yep. It doesn't matter. It's next man up. And it's just so impressive to see all these guys from Big V and Corey Clement and all these guys, doesn't matter where you were drafted and just everybody stepping up and filling up, filling in those roles for some of those Hall of Fame type players like Sproles and Peters. And getting back to their offense, listen, the Eagles don't do anything out of this world. They run a really great system. They have concepts and they know how to dress them up in different personnel packages, different formations, different eye candy. They just have a great principal system that they want to run their offense with. And then they just know how to add on to it. And I just love all the different concepts, whether it's the three-level stretch stuff off play action, their variety of screen game, their RPOs, but just the way they manipulate their personnel, how they can put three tight ends on the field. You don't know if they're running power football or if they're going to spread you out. So I'm very interested to see how they respond this year with losing, you know, the Brent Sellocks and the Trey Burtons of the world. But having those multiple players, that's, that's how you combat today's sub-package NFL, where everyone wants to play nickel and dime. All right, well, what do you do when you start putting multiple tight ends out on the field? What do you do when you start spreading out those multiple tight ends? Now, all of a sudden, we're combating and, and forcing defenses to play that cat and mouse of, we're going to get heavy. Are you going to get heavy with us? And I think that's where the trend of the NFL is going to kind of roll back to. Yeah, it's something you can speak to a little more, I'm sure, Ben. But based on what I've seen, just kind of looking, I mean, like you said, they've got a good system. They also put their guys in a position to succeed, um, which which just helps them tremendously. I mean, they, they kind of works within that system, but it seems like they kind of rework some things when needed, just even slightly, just to get that guy in that position, which is just uh, – it, it sounds <laughs> it sounds very, very simple. Uh, I don't think every team does that, and the Eagles seem like they do that very well. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think that to have such a diverse – team and roster in so many different parts to play and everybody has different sizes from last year. I mean, look, Garrett Blunt and Jay Ajay and Darren Sproles and Corey Clement, all different shapes and sizes and ways they can attack you. It's just, it's a lot of fun to watch. I have a huge infatuation for players like Trey Burton. Trey Mm -hmm. Burton are the Swiss army knives that make that offense tick. And unfortunately he's now in the NFC North with the bears and we'll have to see him twice a year, but it's, it's those type of players that ruin defenses that you can put as a fullback, put as an inline tight end, put as a wing, put as a slot, line him outside the numbers. He's second on the team in special team snaps. You know, it's guys like that 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 make your team successful. And I'm really interested to see where they go with Dallas Goddard and some new players like Richard Rogers, our old Packers friend. So just what the Eagles have done over the past couple of years and their roster and execution, it's just it's a lot of fun to be a part of and study them on a week-to-week basis. If you're talking versatile, you're talking Richard Rodgers. That's, that's, that's what we're talking about here. So I'm not sure if he's a lock to make the team, to be honest with you. He doesn't do anything that exceptional. He doesn't catch the ball great. He doesn't run great routes. He's not moving people in the run game. But he's a vet. He knows where to line up. He does his job. He doesn't do anything sexy. But that's kind of what Brent Selleck was. So if Richard Rodgers could kind of embrace being a little bit of a put your face in there and be a little bit more of a run run blocker for that line – you know, I think you could carve out a role. Unless you have that Brent Selleck to complement the Zach Ertz, that doesn't really work. I don't think Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard together are a little too similar. I think they're both a little bit more receiver-like, more move tight ends. And unless you have that complement, you know, I don't know if that system is going to work. 
Well, the one thing he might be able to do is catch a Hail Mary if they need one. So maybe that'll work. Plus, now that they have Joe Callahan, I don't know how they can't repeat for the Super Bowl. So we'll <laughs> we'll keep an eye on both of those things. Uh, really quick, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but what's your overall take on the the Khalil Mack rumors? I, I, the rumors are is probably the false word, but what, what's your take on whether or not Green Bay should really seriously look at this and how it would affect Green Bay? Just speaking my opinion, I don't get too excited or read too much into pursuing players on other teams or currently under contract with other teams. I think it's too dicey and too open-ended to get into this speculative trade conversation. It's exciting. It's fun. But there's too many players on other teams. We can speculate all sorts of trades around this league or players holding out or maybe a team that doesn't look like they're going to be contending this year. And, oh, I'd love to have their best three players. Absolutely. I don't really get into that game. It's exciting. It, you know, obviously, it would make our team better. We have two first-round picks, you know, as a, as, a, as a bait for them. Not many teams do. So I don't, I don't really have a whole lot of opinion or, you know, emphasis on it at the moment. No, I think that's probably the right take. And usually the trades that are made are the ones that you don't expect coming, you know, like the Ronald Darby trade from a season ago, that was kind of out of nowhere, you know, and, and those are the ones that usually end up happening and actually helping teams. So I'm a hundred percent on board with you there really quickly. Dusty, you've put out some great articles this past week, and I know you and Ben have yeah. kind of been commenting on them. You've been putting out some plays that you think green Bay and some concepts that you think green Bay could really use and steal. I want you just kind of touch base on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, so just just a bit of history, um, if you've not been following along, I kind of spent, um, there's, man, there's so many great, I mean, I'm talking to two of them right now, there's so many great Packers film guys out there that I kind of felt like I was kind of doing the same thing as everyone else, uh, which, you know, is fun, it's fine, but I kind of want to try something else, I wasn't focusing on the draft, I wasn't really focusing on a lot of what the Packers did this past year, because I spent all season doing that, so I kind of spent the off season going through the Rams. I really liked what I saw out of the Rams. I mean, I honestly, I kind of put Rams and Eagles side by side and the Rams. I just kind of picked out of a hat, but just offensively, I loved what they did. I love, I, I, I mean, their pieces, I mean, Gurley kind of made it go, but I, I really liked uh, the system that they were running. So I was, I was kind of watching them just seeing what I could see. I just wanted to watch another team in depth. And while I was kind of doing that, I kind of thought well, I could just see what they're running. And then I can just say, Hey, maybe the Packers can run this and steal it. And so I went through Every Rams uh, passing snap, and then I uh, went through a few other teams as well. So I've got two pieces up right now, so that's kind of the, the the history of it. And so the first one, I kind of went through the Rams, kind of a slant flat variation uh, from week one, from their week one that I just loved in the Packers. I mean, any West Coast team, you love they love running that 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 slant flat. And so it's something the Packers have in their playbook anyway, and they've run a couple variations off of that, which I kind of touched on, but. It's it's just it's been a lot of fun just kind of looking to see what another team does, see something. Hey, that kind of looks similar to what the Green Bay has done. And maybe there's a twist to, to just kind of get something in there, get something that works for another system and just trying to cater to our own. So it's it's been it's been a fun look. It's a, it's a fresh look at other offenses and, and seeing how the Packers can and uh, can kind of benefit from that. So I did. Yeah. The slant flat variation. And then I did a um, Patriots is the first play of last season. It was kind of a double post. I say double wheel is kind of like a wheel and a half almost but yeah it's been uh it's been awesome it's been a lot of fun and that rams offense is so much fun to watch and all their elements off of play action and just like mcveigh with washington they have a foundation everything built off that zone out outside zone stretch game and then you just build off of it and have different elements and you have backside screens off of it mm-hmm. and you work in the play action aspects of it and just great to see you build on things and add to it add to it add different eye candy you know, other misdirection stuff, but the philosophy and the principles are the same. It's so much fun to watch teams like that. Oh, that's the thing. I mean, they can kill you. They kill you so many different ways. Like I said, they they stretch you and they 
throw back across the field or just throw back into a gap. I mean, a lot of that stuff, Ben, I know we kind of went back and forth half jokingly, kind of William Henderson stuff from Packers 90s film. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the stuff the Packers were kind of doing then, it's just, it's, it's supersized. It just, just because of what they do, because of what you have to guard, because of what you've seen, they just stretch you horizontally. And then you, and then you hit the gaps in between, and then they can also hit some down the field. I, I'm, I really, I'm curious to see what they do with cooks uh, this year. Cause Watkins was so good for them last year, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a tremendously fun offense to watch for sure. Yeah. Sneaky player in that offense. I thought Robert Woods was outstanding for them last year. Holy really. crap. Yeah. Yeah, Woods was great. Cup was, I mean, I think Cup graded out as like one of the best slot receivers in the league, so it's not surprising. But I didn't know a ton about him, and just watching him, he he really jumps out. Cup was great. Just scratch the surface on Gerald Everett and the athleticism that he could, you know, be he could be a freak show in this league as well. Yeah, and then you just have Gurley sneaking out of the backfield, like they right, yeah. kill you so many ways. And they drafted John Kelly out of Tennessee, who's a lot like Kareem Hunt, who's just bowling ball or running back with great contact bounce. If he makes that team, he's going to be their third down back. And, and oh, by the way, trade for Brandon Cooks as well. So they're yes. they're going to be a, a team to team to beat this year, no question about it. Uh, great work on that, Dusty. By the Thank way, you. if you haven't had a chance yet, make sure everyone kind of goes out and and takes a look at at Dusty's work. It's on uh, Pack to the Future, correct? Correct. All right, perfect. Well, I think we are officially way over on time. Uh, Dusty, any other articles or anything else you're working on that you'd like to go over? No, that's pretty much it. I got it. Um, I was telling Ben uh, before the show, or you guys, or Andy, I guess. I don't know. I don't remember who I was talking to. Um, yeah, I think I'm trying to get another three or four of those out before the season starts. And then uh, kind of once the season starts, I'm, I'm in on um, just in on Packers review stuff week to week. I'm changing it up a little this week. I, I had so much fun in the offseason with the Rams. Um, I'm just going to be focusing on the Packers passing game. Uh, which kind of helps focus me a little bit uh, and kind of takes less time because I'm busy um, and also kind of gets me really in tune with what they're doing. So uh, I'm, that that's coming up during the season, a couple more of those other pieces before that. But yeah, it's, I'm, I'm hyped, man. It's going to be a good year. And uh, Ben, other than producing 300 shows, anything else you're working on? <laughs> yeah, you know, just a couple hundred shows here and there. We're just getting ready for the season uh, with the Eagles. We're in New England tomorrow in a preseason game. I have my first two games with ESPN this year. I'm doing Oregon State at Ohio State. That should be an interesting uh, kickoff game with everything going on there in Columbus. And the following week, Michigan State at Arizona State. So looking forward to getting out back into the college circuit. And for the Packer listeners out there, I'm going to have a Patrick, excuse me, a Packer-centric announcement next week and uh, some things I'm looking forward to getting into the season. So look out for an announcement next week on some things I'm going to be doing with the Packers. Nice. Awesome. That's amazing to hear. I can't wait to hear that news. Uh, Ben, thank you so much for taking the time out. I know you are incredibly busy. This has been absolutely amazing. Uh, Dusty, thanks as always for joining us. Uh, I just can't appreciate enough uh, the work that you guys do on the film review. It's always fun every, you know, Monday after a Packer game to, you know, see who, uh, you know, finds the film first. And and usually like (laughs) Dusty said earlier, we a lot of times end up posting some of the same plays, but that almost makes it even better. So uh, thank you again so much for joining. It's been awesome having you today. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, you bet. If uh, you haven't had a chance yet, make sure to follow us on Packaday Podcast on Twitter, at Packaday Podcast. You can follow us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, probably on Napster, MySpace, Ask Jeeves. If there's a website, (laughs) we're probably there. Thanks again to Ben Fennell for joining us. You can find him on Twitter, at Ben Fennell underscore NFL. Um, Join us tomorrow as Andrew Murtag and Kyle Fellows uh, break down preseason game two. And uh, as always, go Pack Go. 
Rodgers gets the snap. Blitz is on. Rodgers scrambles He's left. Winds up. Rainbow. Cobb. He's got Cobb in the 10 to the 5. Yes. To the end zone. Touchdown. And a dagger. Oh, my goodness. An NFC North Division Championship dagger of 47 yards. Hasselback maybe changing the play of the line. Looks left and right. Takes the snap. Short drop. Quick throw. Left side. Yes. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.